The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. M. Rossiano. I've become the vagina lady. And Michael Lucas. Me saying to you that Beyonce has done a Whitney tribute is basically me going down on you. This is M. Salation. I, I dispute the theory. And, what? And what? The reason. What are your facts? I don't care for them. <laughs> You're in M. Salation. Hello. Welcome to, I can't believe I'm about to say this, season three of M Salation, the podcast. Can you believe? My name is M Rossiano and I am a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a neurodivergent magic brain, and together with my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter and podcaster, Mr Michael Lucas, I bring you this magnificently chaotic, penis-obsessed, pop-culture-loving, political... I don't know, hot mess but very organised offering each Thursday and obviously things are changing. I want to let you know we are, we're stepping it up, you know. We're stepping our pussies up here. It's time. What I'd like to say is ding dong. It's no longer going to be just this podcast coming from my house via a Zoom meeting where Michael's, you know, kind of there and in blurry video messages. I want to let you know that I'm about to sign a lease on a studio. That's right. It's really scary, but it's time that I properly invest in this podcast and in my production company because I believe in it, because you believe in it. This tiny little thing that I started in my roof with my best friend has grown into something that I just could never have imagined in my wildest dreams and I'm so fulfilled and happy and pumped and I need to take those feelings and turn them into confidence in myself and my business. So we're going to have a studio. There's going to be the Ensolation Studios. There's going to be a little spot where we'll be able to do regular lives and there's going to be like a little coffee machine and a communal like office and Ben and Zeke and Chella are going to work out of there and <sighs> I'm pretty bummed. I'm not going to lie. So that's happening in the next few weeks and onwards and upwards. We're also going to be introducing the installation of voicemails. We want you guys in the show. It really has annoyed me that I haven't been able to have you lot in the show, your voices, because installation community is just Look, it's great. You guys are second to none. You pals, got to stop saying guys. I'm trying to be a better person and using the term guys is exclusionary. You pals are the best. It's the most supportive, chaotic, bonkers, loving, hilarious community out there. I'm just going to say it. So um, you're going to be in the show now. 
It may seem complicated how to leave a voicemail at first, but it's really not. It's super easy. It's three buttons. We're going to put in the newsletter that Ben will be sending out on uh, Thursday after the show comes out in the newsletter and you must sign up to be a pen pal. It's the show notes, everything we've spoken about, all the information, how you can watch things. You can get a visual. I'll make sure in the newsletter that goes out for this week's episode, there's a detailed explanation as to how you can leave a voicemail at the installation voicemails. And each week we'll be featuring you. And we want you to give us your love nundrums, your your dilemmas for the dilemma doctors. Maybe you've got a comment or a question about a previous episode, all of those things. We just want your voices in. I have had a great rest. I've had some good time off. I really needed it. But I got itchy. Even just after two weeks off, I'm like, I've got all these ideas. I need to get back on the podcast. I need to. So I've been doing like little secret planning sessions with Ben and and I'm here. I'm back. I'm with you. So I just wanted to tell you all and have you hear my voice about how excited I am about the year ahead. There's going to be so many more Emsolation Lives for you to join in on and watch and onwards and upwards, once that studio is in place, there'll be no stuff. I am just like, I'm Oprah, you know? It's like Oprah, but with way less budget and no tea house. Oh, honey, please, no. (laughs) I really want a tea house. All right, that's it. That's it. I'm just so happy to be back. Can you hear it? I've just got verbal diarrhoea. There's been several side quests. I'm about to bring Michael in. My daughter, Marcella, is also going to be involved in this episode because we're going to be reviewing the House of Gucci and Marcella saw it. We're going to be talking about how I finally succumbed to, and just like that, the Sex in the City reboot. I'm sorry. I mean, I love it. And we'll also be discussing the Jason Momoa, Lisa Bonet separation and the circle of hot around them with the Lenny Kravitz and, of course, Zoe Kravitz and Nicole Kidman and Channing Tatum and how that whole situation is so ridiculous, so hot. You have all that to look forward to. We've also got some voicemails from you lot. We already have some voicemails in there because some of you really got it and I love it. Enjoy. It's wonderful to be back. Thank you for being back. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Well, back for a huge season three. And as we know, Michael Lucas, in television land, there's a lot of pressure on season three because often season two is disappointed. Oh, really? Really? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say it's when season three is when the fans turn. <laughs> it's, when, it's when they decide how they would like to see the show. They take ownership of it in a way that can be dangerous for the creators at the centre of it. I speak from experience. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to let you all draw your own conclusions as to which show he's referring to. (laughs) They also know that I'm prone to kill off characters the more seasons happen, but that's very unlikely to happen here. I love it that Michael's wielding of power is looking at an actor and thinking, if you push me one (laughs) step further, you're dead. On the show. <laughs> oh, well, look, you've had a rest. You've been swimming in the ocean every day. Your hair is looking tousled and full of salt water. You've got a John Farnham T-shirt on. Where are you? You're in Sydney still. You're at the centre of the Omicron outbreak. I am. Yes, mm. I'm here in Bronte. And we're also at the centre of the La Nina weather front because it is raining and 20 degrees. And I know you're at the heat of Melbourne, right? Yeah. Stunning weather here. Can't fault it. Weather in Melbourne is chef's kiss. I've been getting out amongst it. I love it. I love love the heat. 
I really do. I'm one of, I don't like humidity though because you're the schwitzing and the sweating and then I'm limited to what colours I can wear, but just a good dry heat with a blue sky and a whiff of breeze. Whiffed. A whiff. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're Italian. You're a hot-blooded Italian. <laughs> I am a hot-blooded Italian. So, look, last time we spoke, obviously it was the end of year extravaganza and Omicron was just, it was just a hint. It was just a sprinkle. It was just a funny name, basically. It was a name that sounded like Voltron and we thought the joke was going to be the name sounds so threatening. Mm, (laughs) Not the reality, though. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) And I'm living in a weird kind of parallel universe. I feel like it's become Total Recall or like the Hunger Games or where it's just... It's just every man, woman and non-binary person for themselves. There's no rules. It's Mm. just fucking Thunderdome. And some people are self-isolating and not allowing their 20-year-old daughters to socialise and making sure everyone's having a fresh mask every 10 minutes and other people are like outdoor (laughs) fucking raves, sweating at each other while Carl Cox plays the hits. Like I don't. How I don't know how to live. I don't know. Am I doing the wrong thing? Or there's no rules. And you know, I I love I love a rule. I know. Like for the past two years, we've looked at the premiers, but now em, you're your own premier. That is, that is terrifying. Because I children's tend- <laughs> too. And I sense that you're way more Dan than Dominic. <laughs> but I'm also a bit like Mussolini. I mean, not, <laughs> Italian not, again. Not so much in the like terrible, horrific corruption and questionable bunga bunga. Oh no, no, wait, was Mussolini the dictator? Yeah, he killed yeah, everyone. Yeah. Okay, not, not Mussolini. Really? <laughs> I'm not Mussolini. I'm not a dictator who commits horrible murders. I was more thinking Berlusconi. Oh, Sorry, okay. I got my wog leaders mixed up. Silvio mm. Berlusconi with less bunga bunga parties and more picking and choosing the rules that maybe suit me and then making everyone else live a bit harder. Like mm. I did pop to a shopping centre the other day because I needed a few things, but I've banned the rest of the family from going to shopping centres. That makes sense. I... <laughs> I've been going to Bondi Junction, which, as we all know, was where the Delta outbreak kicked off. And I've been going, I've been to the theatre. I mean, I feel like now, weirdly, I've, the scientists have sort of stepped out of the fray in terms of where I'm getting my advice. So now it's my own personal sense of danger, which really changes every, oh my God. every moment of the day. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but I'm still weary of, like, Marcella is immunocompromised and Elio is unvaccinated because he's three, nearly three, and I don't want them getting unwell. And I'll tell you what, I had my booster shot and it knocked me for fucking six. And if that's just a tiny sweet taste of what it could be, I don't want it because mm. I, I'm a drama queen. When I get sick, I get sick. It takes mm. a lot to take me down. Like imagine a rhino just like charging through the savannah and then people are shooting Omicron darts at me and I'm charging, I'm still going, I'm still going, I'm pushing through, I'm getting work done and then all of a sudden I just drop and the mm. rhino is dropped and they're down for the count and it's hard to get a rhino up when she drops down, I am said rhino. Right, okay. Yeah, and if the Omicron But are you noisy when you're, are you still, are you like Italian opera when you're sick and dying? I'm so annoying. I'm the worst sick (laughs) And I give a commentary of my symptoms. I tell anyone within earshot how unwell I am. I walk around like just holding my brow, like just constant complaining. Scott, on the other hand, my husband goes into himself. He just like Mm. goes into this cocoon. He just, it like goes inside a, a, a health cocoon and sleeps and doesn't speak to anyone. But for me, what you've got to understand, Michael, is on the off chance I do get sick, I have to fucking be really sick. If there's one tiny little glimpse or snifter from my family that I may be able to say cook a meal or clean something or uh, organise an activity or oh, take, take look it. after a child, 
I'm back in. I'm back in the game. I'm mm, off the bench. Mm. So I have to maintain a certain level of sick to be allowed to lay in bed and do nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you have to practically be coughing blood. <laughs> Pretty much. So between you and I, where do you honestly, are you worried about getting COVID now? Um, I, well, I am, yes. But but by the same token, I've realised that, I mean, Omicron's not going to go anywhere so it is sort of like you have to set your rules for how you want to live at least the first part of this year. And I don't know, my rule system, yeah, it, it, it is strange. I Basically, I've decided I'm still going to live my life. I'm still going to see people. But I'll, you know, I'll try and make sort of like vague adjustments. Like I won't go to like indoor bars and cafes or anything like that. I'll mask up in places. But I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop my social life at this point anymore. Oh. I have stopped my social life, but I stopped my social life in about 1997, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I am still very anxious about it. I truly am. And everywhere I go, I'm looking out for it as though it's all of a sudden going to materialise. Like it's just uh, going to be Well, there. 50% of people I know have had it now. Stop it, don't. I can't. Which is b- bananas, yeah. And, and so many got it around New Year's Eve. I well, can't believe how many people. Well, of course they did. People were going to outdoor festivals and mm. taking drugs and sweating on each other. I saw many, many indicators of this. But what I have been doing, I mean, because I've been kind of, I've been isolating even though I don't have to, it's called, a, I think it's called shadow lockdowns, what the press refer to it as. There's, right. a, there's a huge shadow lockdown going on where those of us who are anxious are still locking down. And I have a confession to make and, look, you already know this, but I'm confessing it to the insulation community I have finally succumbed to the Sex in the City reboot. And just like that, I've binged it. <laughs> I've loved it. I've cried. I've thought about it nonstop. I desperately wait for Sundays for the new episodes to drop. I'm so sorry. And just like that, we began our real friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I, surprised. I welcome it. I forgive it. Well, I'm happy. I'm able to hold in one hand the extremely problematic nature of certain aspects of, say, the first three episodes. Hmm. But in my other hand, I'm able to hold the sense of nostalgia and comfort and the fashion and the candid conversations between ageing women that we don't see on television and I'm able to just forgive it and just think, you know what, nothing's perfect. I know. I think it's it's weirdly the perfect bit of entertainment for the Omicron era because like Omicron, it's like it's an echo of what's been before but we don't quite know what to make of it. <laughs> but ultimately it's coming for us all. I just, That's one thing that we know. My main problem now is not the fact that there has to be a teachable moment in every episode. Like It's like the writers are going, see, we've learned from our lessons. It's not that. I can get over that. For me, the biggest problem has come to fruition in the most recent episode, and it's the way that Steve, Miranda's husband, is being portrayed. God damn it. Oh, I know. The humiliation. (laughs) The sheer humiliation. And also, I remember him being quite a magnetic, appealing sort of a character. Like, he was a a trusty dude, but he was, but he had some allure about him and he, and he, and he had a bit of emotional intelligence and things have gone downhill. And now he just shouts about pickles and can't find her clitoris. Like that's really (laughs) all he gets. I know. This place is bullshit. Why do they keep moving everything around? A bit of a dry poke around with no warning. 
And then just walk, and, and he sounds more like Popeye than ever before. And he's just like, I can't find the pickles. Yeah. Where are the pickles? I'm like, what has happened, Steve? And the only lines he get are like an old, is they've made him like 90, just screeching about mm. about wanting to watch Netflix. And it's because Miranda started kind of this steamy affair with Shay, the um, gender non-binary comedian. And um, she's Carrie's podcast boss as well. Mm. And and so I feel as though maybe they're wanting us to forgive Miranda because Steve is so hopeless. Is that what they're yeah. doing? Well, I mean, they're just trying to justify, I guess, why she makes this move. But, but I agree. <laughs> it's a terribly unflattering portrait of a character who was much loved. <laughs> if they attempt to do the same sort of thing with Aiden, people will be very unhappy about it. <laughs> but... The one character, I can't, I can't, I cannot with fucking Charlotte. What is your goddamn problem? I will not apologise. <laughs> I feel like Charlotte probably always tested you. And also the other thing is Charlotte, I feel like in the, in the way that the original four worked, Samantha and Charlotte were the two poles. They were the two opposite ends. And without Samantha there to undercut everything and to just be outrageous and, and irresponsible and dry, then Charlotte's sweetness and perkiness and lack of awareness, it, 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 it's just a bit much. I can't. I want her to die violently. Like oh. if, we, if we have to kill off a character, not the actress, just a character. I wouldn't be sad if Charlotte, say, crossing Fifth Avenue got hit by a bus. <coughs> to be honest, I just, I can't. I've started skipping the scenes. That's how much. And oh, I'm trying wow. to figure out what is she triggering in me? Because usually doesn't that mean she's projecting something that I hate about myself? Isn't that the Freudian psyche around if you don't like a television character? Yeah. <sighs> I, I have to say I'm not surprised at all that you hate her. But what is, what's your conclusion? I don't. I don't have one because I don't think I'm anything like her. Well, you ride life's emotional roller coaster and share share in that journey, whereas she stays in one aggressive gear at all times, which is the chipper, upbeat, <laughs> conventionally perky mode, which is not a gear that you enjoy, and and the relentlessness of it, I, I it makes perfect sense to me. Okay, good. You would not be friends with her. You'd be friends with all three of the others, but not her. What amazes me about the show is just how much can be stripped away from what was the original appeal. Like I would argue there's no real sex anymore apart from Shay and Miranda once. There's this, I would argue the city has gone basically because now they've been, like there was a time where Carrie saw her new apartment and that was the worst green screen I've ever seen in my mm. life. And I used to love how it felt really street. They went into real venues. You really felt the, the pavement of New York City. That's all gone. And Big's gone and Samantha's gone. Most of the wit has gone. I'm not qualified to judge on the fashion, but I'm not noticing that it's starting so many fashion trends. The wigs are bag. Everything's, so much has gone and yet I'm still there. Same. I'm, there's still enough. Same. There's There's enough. still enough. Same. So what I want to say to anyone, and there was a beautiful scene actually in the most recent episode before we move on to House of Gucci preview, um, review. Oh, God, speaking of. <laughs> Just laughing thinking about House of Gucci. There was a beautiful scene in the most recent episode where Carrie considers going to get plastic surgery and Jonathan Groff, who is fucking heaven, plays the plastic surgeon, Mm. And she has a moment where he says to her, With the right work and the right touch, the last 15 years are gone. And then it felt a little bit Sex and the City of Old when she thought about how she doesn't want to erase the last 15 years because that was her happiest with Big and 
Why would she want to change her face for that? And I liked that conversation. And that's something that, you know, Emily in Paris or any other kind of frivolous thing we're watching wouldn't be out of the nuance or the depth to do. And mm. also very relevant to her crowd who are, you know, mid 50 year old women who may be considering that they need to make their face look 40 again. So that for me was a little bit of, there she is. Mm. There she is. There she is. And so I just want to say, if you love Sex in the City and you endured the movies, I mean, I cannot say the Sex in the City movie without the classic, he can be Lawrence of my labia. I, <laughs> I just cannot. Lawrence of my labia. I also have a theory mm. that maybe Kim Cattrall does appear at some point. Well, they're clearly... You know, you I mean, the text messages. The text they've, message? they've positioned the plot perfectly so that if she were to enter at any point, I don't think it's going to be this season, but I think that they're hoping that maybe if they get a second season, they can I wheel agree. her back in. I agree. Good I feel luck. like she's coming. I know. Good luck. That would be amazing. But all in all, I hate it and I love it so much. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm committed. I mean, when we were teenagers, they showed us this idealized vision of what our 30s could be. And I'm, I'm, I, feel like we grew up with them and and I love to hate it and I and I still watch it and but ultimately at the end of the day I just want to know what happens with those characters. <laughs> I do, I do. Okay, moving on. This is something that we have been building to for many months. Some and- might say for too long and too hard. <laughs> <laughs> and to them I say, have you just met us? Yeah. Is this like most of our joy comes from anticipation, not actual events. Mm. And before we get started, I will bring in our associate, Marcella. <laughs> Marcella, my daughter and producer of M Slation Podcast, also came to see House of Gucci with me. Uh, come in, Chella. Hello, Chella. I love it that we're a legal team now, <laughs> our associate, <laughs> our head magistrate. So the three of us have seen House of Gucci. Before we, before we give our individual assessments, I want you to give it your score out of five. Okay, Marcella, you go first. What are you giving it out of five? Two. Ooh. Michael Lucas? Three. Ooh. I'm giving it two and a half. (laughs) 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 So, Father, Son, House of Gucci. Father, Son and House of Gucci is obviously a film that all of us were hotly anticipating, mainly because of Lady Gaga playing the lead character of Patrizio Ricciani. And I just want to say off the bat, she didn't disappoint. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, everyone agrees. Was anyone disappointed with Gaga? No, she gave it everything. She isn't disappointed, and can I just say her press tour and her campaign for the Oscar has disappointed even less. It's been incredible. I, I probably need to talk a little <laughs> bit about that. But, yeah, no, oh, yes, amazing. Yes, she sure. gave it everything. She left nothing on Agreed. the floor. Agreed. So the film went for two hours and 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. And I felt every single second of that. I have to tell you mm. that there was just times where, oh, fuck, I picked my phone up so many times to, like, check Instagram. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. But it's okay because for me it was too mediocre to be a cult classic, first of all. We were hoping for maybe something like Showgirls or Burlesque or what's the movie that James Franco remade, The Room? Disaster Artist. The Disaster Artist, yeah. I was hoping it may be in that, but it's too mediocre to be a cult classic and too long. 
And the problem for House of Gucci, in my eyes, was that it didn't actually know what genre it was. Mm. Was it a love story? Was it a slapstick comedy, Jared Leto? Was it a biopic of a family dynasty? Was it a murder thriller? It didn't really know. And I also had a real issue with Jeremy Irons playing Rodolfo Gucci and at some point I thought I'd blacked out and it somehow crossed into New Moon, which is the second in the Twilight saga where they go to Rome to visit the Volturi who are the leading party of vampires and because he was just fucking looking like a, the head of the Volturi and speaking in an English accent, at some point Jeremy Irons went, fuck it, and that was about ten minutes in, I'm English. What do we do with you now? I am fascinated by it. Wasn't anyone there on set going, has anyone noticed we're all doing something very different with the accents here? Like, did no one pick that? Because he went English. Gaga really committed to her very, very vibrant. She claims it's a very specifically North Italian uh, accent. So specific, I think it might only belong to Lady Gaga's film. I don't know (laughs) where it comes from. That's her excuse anyway. But then Jared Leto, whoa, Papa Giuseppe commercial. It was wild. Nobody has ever said that to me. Nobody. I just... Jared Leto played Paolo Gucci, who was Aldo, so Maurizio's father's brother, Aldo. It was his son. And I'm going to use technical show language and I'm going to let you know that Jared Leto's performance as Paolo Gucci was fucking bonkers. Bonkers. I mean, I respected it, don't get me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, Paolo is the black sheep of the Gucci family, the loser, the one they all tolerate, the idiot cousin, and he, he has designs. He wants to be a fashion designer. And he just, he came in at 20 out of 10. Every day Jared Leto woke up on set and chose chaos. He so did. his opening scene, so most people's opening scene was, oh, there you're going, what are you doing? Like this. This is how. But Jared Leto's opening number was, what are you thinking? This I'm There was a bit in the middle of the movie where he had to say, these are just mock-ups. And he put on such an accent, I couldn't even, it was like, these are just mock-ups. These are just mock-ups. I can't afford to get serious. (laughs) (laughs) But he was the comic relief, so this is why I'm torn. Because Chella, every time he came on screen, we were fucking in hysterics. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) It wasn't the uh, point. So, Chella, you had a favourite scene from Papa Giuseppe slash Jared Leto slash Paolo Gucci. Yes. It's when he finally gets his parachute, I don't even know, Lycra line running and he's at his fashion show and it gets shut down and the wife is singing opera and even as everyone's leaving, the police is streaming through, she just keeps singing. And he's like walked <laughs> out and he's like, mate, it's over. So it's it's just keeps singing. Mm. And, and then we cut to him screeching up out front of a church. Yeah, is this when he goes to confront them? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And the line in there, what was the line I loved? The ice cream? Chocolate and... <laughs> the thing about the shit... Uh, and the chocolate ice cream. They look the same, but they do not taste the same. <laughs> what an amazing metaphor. But what I want to know is, did he make up all of his lines on the spot? Was Jared Leto given a blank script and told to go for broke? Surely it was improv. 
And he is rumoured for a possible <laughs> Oscar noms. He is. He, he it's did really well at the Screen Actors Guild Awards and so that suggests it's a similar bo- voting body to the Oscars, so it may well... Lady Gaga's almost definitely getting an Oscar nomination and hasn't she worked for it? But um, <laughs> Jared Leto as well is looking like the next most likely one. Isn't it astonishing? No. I endorse it. I've got to credit, good, amazing makeup. Amazing. Like, it, it, to me, he genuinely, it didn't have that plastic latex look. It, it, it was, I thought it was genuinely impressive. It was, he was genuinely impressive. I was so, like, riled up over the, like, all the emotions I would feel when he would be on screen. I, it was just mm. like, it was, so in the end, he stole the film from Gaga from me because, Patrizia was reliable and she would come in and, I mean, there was a few weird, like she went from kind of like a, a humble trucking magnate owner's daughter to fucking Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones with no explanation. Like that for me was a bit, what, what's happened? Well, I, I can tell you because I've watched 87 hours of Lady Gaga interviews and remember how Star is Born, she was accused of using the one quote a bazillion times, which is you can be in a room with 100 people that don't believe in you and all it takes is one. So this time it's like every interview she has to talk about a different aspect of the um, acting process. Yeah. And thankfully there's no shortage of wankery for her to talk about. And But the most recent one, which was by far the wildest, she was like, I based my performance of Patricia on three different animals at three different parts <laughs> of the story. So the beginning of the movie up until uh, Rodolfo's funeral, uh, I'm a house cat. And then the second section, she is a fox. And then finally, (laughs) she is a panther. Because (laughs) a panther weeps when they kill their prey. (laughs) That's just one interview. There are so many. You know what my favourite interview has been so far where she's talking about, she's she's with Selma Hayek who obviously mm. plays the clairvoyant Pinna. Have a listen to what she says. There's a whole side of this film that you did not see where Pina and I developed a sexual relationship. And I remember being on set with Selma and going, so after Maurizio dies, maybe it gets hot. <laughs> and she was like, You what think are you she's kidding. <laughs> So we missed out on love scenes between Selma and Gaga. Wow. Surely they'll release that. It's a crime against humanity. (laughs) But I love that Gaga just came up with it in the moment, literally turned and said after the funeral things should get hot, and Selma was like, okay, cool. So then they just had this unscripted hot lesbian scene and Ridley cut that out, left in 45 other minutes of arguably stupid, boring nicotine-stained, beige-filtered crap and took out that. Ultimately what I want now, really, I think I just want a different Patrizia Reggiani movie. Like, I'd be open. I know she was a real person. I'd be open to just Patrizia getting her own franchise. And we've, Adrian and I have hit the point where we've started, like, imitating if Patrizia was in other movies. Like, we've put her in Titanic as the mum. So this is the ship they say is unsinkable. This is the ship they say is unsinkable. That one, and we've put her... We've even done Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Little town, it's a quiet village. Every day, like the one before. Little town, it's a quiet village. Every day, like the one before? <laughs> she can put, You can put her anywhere. She makes any movie better. She could be Dolly in Still Magnolias. <laughs> Laughter through tears is my favourite emotion. 
What it's about, a very what about, specific northern <laughs> Italian accent. What about Malin? Drink the juice. Drink your juice, Shelby. Drink your juice. <laughs> <laughs> it could really apply anywhere. I, look, I hope she does get an Oscar nom. And just because we are enjoying the pre-build-up. We are enjoying what's going on. But if you're looking to see a film that it's it's entertaining, It. It's just, you will, I laughed, I giggled solidly for five minutes after Jared Leto first came on screen. Al Pacino is probably the only person who sort of sounded Italian and his character was believable and he knew where he was. Everyone else just seen, I mean, Adam Driver just gave up. I mean. It's the scene where he like presses her up against the wall and he just went American. I don't remember what he says, (laughs) but it was weird. It was just wrong. Mm. So weird. Yeah, the whole thing. But all in all, same as what we've just previously discussed. I fucking hated it and I fucking loved it. 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) It made me feel something. Like I've been feeling so numb and dead and unsure and then you go and watch something so batshit crazy and you feel something. You have an opinion. You you wake up. So I think... That's what I owe House of Gucci. And I feel like Gaga would be happy for that. I do. I do. You know that Patrizia Reggiani is still alive. Oh, yeah. She's very disappointed Gaga didn't come and meet her. That's right. And what's she doing for for a job She's No, no, the best bit is she got offered to be released early on parole if she got a job. And she said, I've never worked a day in my life and I don't intend on starting now. So she actually mm. refused early parole. But now she's working in a costume jewellery oh, shop in Yeah, Milan. I read that. She opted to stay in jail. That's <laughs> <laughs> so Italian. <laughs> yeah, and now isn't she consulting on an accessories company? No, no, it's a costume jewellery shop in Milan. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lady Gaga, I feel today proud. And as we all know, she went so deep into the character at times I needed a psychiatric (laughs) nurse. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so House of Gucci obviously out now and you make your own mind up if you want to see it. Okay, we're going to go away now. We're going to come back and there's been a celebrity breakup that I am devastated about, one that I've emotionally invested in for many, many years and there's a lot to unpack about it. We'll be back. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Okay. There's a few couples that I am emotionally invested in. Obviously, Jay-Z and Beyonce is one. Mm. And the other one that I've been invested in for a long time is Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet. Mm. Lisa Bonet, obviously, I first met as Denise Huxtable in The Cosby Show. Yeah. So cool. So many generations of entertainment is encapsulated in that marriage. Like it feels like 40 years of entertainment are just in that, mm-hmm. in that union. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jason Momoa, Carl Drogo from Game of Thrones, then obviously Aquaman, and Lisa was previously married to Lenny Kravitz mm-hmm. of Red Hot Sex God fame. Mm-hmm. They have a daughter, Zoe Kravitz, who is Red Hot Sex Guessing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hottest family in the world. No, circle, no question. Circle of hot. I refer mm. to it as a circle of hot because, you know, that that whole couple, that whole situation, Lenny and Jason and Lisa and Zoe, 
And now she's dating Channing Tatum. So throw him in. Although he feels less ethereal, kind of cool hippie. He's off brand. Yeah, he's he's very he's, he's got the sort of girth that you require to come in as a male in that one. But I feel like. And there's no, there's not the mystery about him that there is about the other ones. Mm-mm-mm. Now they've split up. Jason and Lisa have split up. Now I now refer to our Jason Momoa, Lisa Bonet expert, Marcella. Marcella, what did your research find about them? Because you were giggling your ass off for an hour. <laughs> well, if we go right back to the start, Jason Momoa was a massive fan of her. Also on the Cosby Show, he was eight years old, and he said to his mum, "I want that one." That is literally <laughs> what he said. Can't decide whether that's romantic or just mm, A little bit. And he didn't tell Lisa this until after they'd had two kids, which maybe is concerning, like it's too late now. I don't know. Yeah. They met at a jazz club in New York City and he specifically yes. dreaded his hair because he knew he was going to see her. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. So he was like he was given full Lenny. Yes. Yeah, well, well yeah, True. By the way, and they, mm. by the way, they have matching skull rings now, Lenny and Jason Momoa, to um, symbolise their friendship. But Oh, they call each yeah. other brothers. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, they met and they instantly, they said they instantly fell in love and they had two kids. Their second kid's name is, I think it's Nakoa Wolf, and that was because he was born on a stormy night and it represents <laughs> warrior. It means warrior. This is Lisa Bonet. And this is all, what was he doing when they met? Because this was ages before Carl Drogo, wasn't it? She picked him up. She saw potential. Yeah, no, he wasn't doing anything. And even when he did Carl Drogo, it like they were in debt then and they were struggling because it hadn't taken off. He had no roles. They had no money. So then he decided to write, direct and start in a film called Paloma Faith, which is with Lisa Bonet. Oh, and they, yeah. he kills his mother's murderer and then goes across country. He's a biker and he meets Lisa Bonet and they have an amazing romance. That's the film they did together. <laughs> wow. So that's how, like, yeah, they got themselves out <laughs> much of debt. Like, much like Madonna and Guy Ritchie and swept away. That's impossible, you idiot. <laughs> it's always <laughs> such a beautiful tradition of husband and wife, <laughs> director, actress teams. <laughs> J-Lo and Ben, what could go wrong? It's turkey time. Huh? Gobble, gobble. So they, they made this movie, and I, by the way, which I haven't seen, so I need to immediately go and watch that. And they've been together a long time, haven't they? Yeah, and then so 2017 they got married, so they were together 12 years. Obviously have split up 2022. And But they said, I actually wrote it down, they said, the love between us carries on in ways it wishes to be known and lived, our devotion unwavering to this sacred life and our children. So. That's so beautiful. Fucking hell. That's why I'm not sad about it because... Because I know, given the history and everything like that, it's not like anyone gets cast no. out of the love circle. It's just about the love circle. Like Lenny is still in. He's in. Jason's his brother. For those of us that would like to imagine something between Jason and Lenny, they give us plenty of opportunity for that. Yeah. But it feels like I just think this is going to allow Lisa to complete the trilogy. Basically, well, they'll just keep inviting spouses in. That's the, everyone just keeps yeah. invited into the blended family. That's what they call themselves. And also, I'm sorry, let's I'm not sorry, forget. I've got to interrupt. All I can think of is Gladys and Daryl entering in. 
What? Why? No. Why would you do that? I don't belong in the circle of hot. That's that's an appalling thing to the do. Love circle. Oh, the love circle. Oh. Of course. Okay. <laughs> I regarded him as a my, part of my love circle. <laughs> Nicole Kidman was in the love circle at one point because she, we didn't know it at the time, but she almost married Lenny and she was definitely Zoe Kravis's like pseudo stepmom because Zoe, when they did Big Little Lies, said, yeah, well, she dated my dad for so long, she was kind of like a mother to me. And she, Nicole what? was peak hot at the time as well. Not that Nicole's ever what? really not was, peak hot. Was it like Nicole Practical Magic era? No, no, no. It was just before Keith. It was in the sort of heady mid two thousands days, so it was her. She was it was she was at peak. She was post Oscar and pre Australia. <laughs> so I'm going to ask the question everyone is wondering: Do we think Lenny, Lisa, and Jason were intimate together? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Oh, I can't. I, I, I I'm going to say I hope and I want to believe. <laughs> Marcella, thoughts and feelings? I don't know. I feel like maybe they snuggle together, but I don't know if they've been, like, hot and steamy. (laughs) Oh, I just think that would be just an entanglement of just stunning, leathery, cheesecloth-y, they'd be fucking dream catchers above. (laughs) They would, like, rub dream catchers down each other's bodies. There'll be so much patchouli incense. Like, you wouldn't be able to breathe. Lit by one of those Californian fire brazier things outdoors. Yeah. Soft flickering lights. Sage ceremony afterwards. There'd be, like, ceremonial dancing. There'd definitely be fire involved. Like, there'd be fire twirlers. Like, I imagine a round bed. Yeah, a round bed on a platform on a beach. Fire twirlers, like interpretive dancing happening, a lot of soft kind of swathy fabric being shushed around the ocean, a pan drum, you know, the... And then, like, Lisa is so delicate and ethereal that she's able to just be picked up, you know, just be picked up. Because if someone says they're going to pick me up, I have to, like, really just brace and take a run-up and think about where my least heaviest part is and how am I going to cover my bum hanging out. And like, But I just feel like Lisa's the kind of woman you could just sweep up and it would be totally, it would be totally flattering, and she'll be really light, and the guy's face wouldn't be like, it'd be like, oh, I've got a mosquito bite, and she'll be just like carried out, and then the men would walk out topless, but in leather pants, obviously. I mean, I'm pretty sure they both have sex in leather pants at all times, mm-hmm. and then I can just sit, and I'm pretty sure the bed probably gets turned. Like I think it's, it turns, and then I know this is wrong, but Zoe Kravitz is definitely there somewhere, not watching it, but like just putting her general hot vibes across the whole situation. Yeah, well, that, I think you just took it into a slightly creepy territory. Not that the, everything that led up to it wasn't at all creepy. Maybe she's narrating. But I agree with that interpretation. That's what I want it to happen. Do you still remember that riveting time when Lenny's leather pants snapped open on stage and then he's, everyone saw that he had a cock ring? Wasn't that amazing? Did I? Uh, that is emblazoned on <laughs> yeah. my psyche. Like I could, if I was, say, if I was called upon in court as a court artist and had to sketch <laughs> the visual I would be able to recreate that perfect. It would look like a fucking 4K photograph. <laughs> that is one of the greatest pop culture slash dick moments. It's, it is the premier cock ring moment it of is. my lifetime. It is. <laughs> I think of a better one. And oh, Lenny as well, he, like, I know Paul Rudd gets all of the acclaim for, like, l- looking peacock, but he's not showing his abs on Instagram. Lenny is. I remember him being scorchingly hot in 1990. We're now like 32 years on and he has lost nothing. 
Nothing at all. I agree. I agree. I agree 100%. So well done to everyone involved. But it's sad that they've split up, but I feel like, you're right. This Lisa's going to come out of this and I expect not Pete Davidson because she can do much better, but no. I think she's going to be like paired up. I'm trying to think of who's the young up-and-coming it boy, you know, kind of interesting, you know, which who's a young actor that's like mysterious and... Look, Harry Styles likes older women. Mm. We know that. But he can't talk. He's Jason, very white though. though. He's British. No, you, you can't. You top can't top him. I don't like... He still looks hot. But see, you might have said that about Lenny. You might have said it about Lenny because you couldn't even imagine Jason Momoa. And now we're sitting here going, Lisa, where will she go next? But <laughs> her, her abilities go beyond ours. Her vision for who next she's going to sleep with. She can see horizons beyond our minds. Well, it might it might be in nobody, though, because, like, she lives out of L.A. She walks around with a donkey. Sorry, what? Donkey! donkey. I was researching her life. And apparently she said she, people who live in the town say they just see her walking barefoot with a donkey, her pet donkey around town. She says she prefers to be <laughs> surrounded by animals instead of buildings and that's probably because of her Scorpio nature. So. <laughs> <laughs> she. And no television, <laughs> just but one computer, she said, because we're not animals, but no television, no media. Just And she wants to be able to cultivate yeah. the children's imagination in that environment. That's what she said. But anyway, the point is she might, yeah, that might be her next move, like just a humble townsman. Oh, yeah, the local pottery artist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He sits at a wheel topless with clay on his breasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might start that way, but then flash forward 12 years and he'll have his own superhero franchise. That's what I hope for him anyway. Know. God, she's so fucking whimsical, it makes me cry. All right, good. All right, well, uh, good, we're back with a bang. We've done it all. Thank you uh, for joining us, Marcella. Thank good you. Good job, good contribution, good research. Michael Lucas. Love Circle correspondent. <laughs> Love Circle correspondent. I did just have that weird image of Gladys and Daryl flash into my mind. <laughs> we will chat next week. And what we're going to do now, Michael Lucas, is we're going to throw to the Emsolation voicemails. Yes, <gasps> that's right. We've now got a, a way for you guys to get involved in the show. So this week is just some lovely voicemails. But what we want is comments on episodes, questions, anything, and we'll put you into the show each week. Right now, though, we are gonna just going to check the voicemail. And look, I'll say goodbye to you, Marcella, even though you're just downstairs in my bedroom. And Michael Lucas, I'll talk to you soon. And I want to let everyone know we are getting our very own Emsolation studio so soon. We'll all be in the same place, Michael Lee, because you'll have to maybe brush your hair because we are going to be using, you know, video wow. cameras. Wow, okay, and sure. Okay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting. Uh, all right, well, we'll chat next week and now let's hear what voicemails have been left for us. I don't have a question or a comment. I just didn't want to get left out. You're awesome. You've got me through some really hard times. It's like coffee with friends and love nundrums. A little bit of wee came out when I watched them laughing. You're incredible. Keep it up. Love you. When you feel seen, when you feel accepted, when you feel you don't have to pretend, that's an amazing feeling. And Em and Michael, you make me and many others feel like this. You make us feel seen and accepted for who we are and we don't have to pretend anymore. You are amazing. What you stand up for, what you represent. You represent us weird outcasts from school and I love it. 
Hey, Em. Hey, Michael. Really love the summer series. Of course, we all love Thursday and the vibe it brings with probably a glass of wine for most people. Can we have more of that? Can we have some more interviews? That'd be great. Hi, Em and Michael. My name's Lisa. Um, I just wanted to say I'm glad you're back. Em, I have been a fan since the days of you performing in a room to 30 people. I was there and right up until I saw you sell out the opera house and also the Palais, of course. Thanks for your podcast. We love it. Keep doing it. We love you. And you, Michael. Fabulous idea. I think this is um, awesome. I am looking forward to coming back with a question or a comment. I usually have a fair few, <laughs> so um, I'm looking forward to being able to leave something and do that. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Oh, I loved those voicemails. You bloody gems. Right back at you. Don't forget to go and leave us a voicemail, okay? We want you in every week. And remember, it can be anything you want. It can be a question, a comment, a dilemma. I just want you guys involved in the show. I want you to take ownership. I want you to feel like you're a part of it, even more so than you already do. All the information on how to leave a voicemail, don't forget, will be in Ben's newsletter. Make sure you're our pen pal. Speaking of, go to the Emsolation Instagram page at Emsolation Podcast where Marcella, my daughter, is the queen, the captain of social media. She runs all the socials. Everything you need to know about the show and the episode will be there in stunning, pithy, pictorial form. It's uh, all... All there for your eyes. She puts in a lot of effort. She's currently working on it now. I'll tell you right now, it's going to be quite the offering tomorrow. Hey, thanks for being here. It's so great to be back. There's <sighs> just lots going on. My levels of excitement are really off their head today, I have to tell you. <laughs> have a wonderful, fantastic week. And we will be back for you next Thursday. As always, you can count on us. We'll be there in your ears. Make sure you tell a friend. We're trying to really grow the community. I'm, I'm determined to double our listenership this year and this requires you to do the groundwork. I need you to, if you have to forcibly sit a person down and watch them listen to us, I don't, you need to do that. It might seem a little weird and a little bit like hostage a bit of a hostage situation. But I believe if you can get them to listen, we can get them on board. We can get them in. All right, gang, have a fabulous week. It's Elio's third birthday next week. Oh, you'll be hearing all about that. Don't you worry. I have big things planned. I'm overcompensating for the fact that it's his third lockdown birthday. There's mechanical dinosaurs coming. There's a cake. There's puppets. I've ordered ridiculous costumes for all of us to wear. When he wakes up, we're all going to be dressed as various dinosaurs. This is Cirque de, Cirque de Dinosaur. It's Cirque de Dinosaur. I'm basically putting on a show. I want him to have such an amazing birthday that he will not ever remember, but he will be shown the pictures when he's 15 and say, look, look at the effort your mother went to. So you'll have all of that to catch up on with next week. Okay, bye, my darlings. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify-exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano-Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus occasional technical wizardry, wine and 
and coffee from M's Dad Vinci. Get more Emsolation by following the Emsolation podcast on Instagram, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can join other Emsolators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you love what we do, share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this week's episode and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Bye.